Welcome into another edition of the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, D.P. Sidhu. And uh, this week, we go around the AFC. We kicked off this series this offseason with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who we visited with last time via J.P. Shadrick. And this week, we talk Indianapolis Colts, a new Indianapolis Colts team in the era of Philip Rivers and lots of changes to that team with Lara Overton. She covers the team for Colts TV, Colts Radio. Uh, she also does some work for ESPN. She helps uh, do anal- analysis for USA Track and Field. Um, and she's been in the job for a little over a year. She was covering the Colts in another capacity uh, via TV just a year ago. But I've had a chance to really get to know her. And uh, she's uh, she's great. She covers the team, much like the, the most of us do via <laughs> via Zoom this offseason. So we get her get her thoughts um, on what what the buzz is like in Indianapolis and in Lucas Oil Stadium right now with the Colts preparing for training camp as the rest of the league is because players are the majority of players are supposed to report for a July 28th start to training camp quarterbacks rookies report earlier I think Deshaun Watson said in an interview that he's supposed to report July 20th and I think the most popular question I get everywhere I go is, uh, what's going to happen with training camp? What's going to happen with the season? And right now, the NFL is planning on training camp starting on time. However, we could see that change because obviously with COVID-19 and this time of a global pandemic, things change day to day. But right now we're planning on uh, training camp starting at the end of the month. And so let's get to know these AFC South teams a little better but first texans fans you can quarterback your in-home wi-fi network from anywhere on any device with the all pro control of xfinity xfi this is beyond wi-fi this is xfi xfinity proud partner of the houston texans and proud partner of the deep slant podcast so let's get right into it let's talk with lara overton let's talk about the colts and all the changes they've seen this offseason all right joining me today we're going around the league this offseason and next up from the Indianapolis Colts team reporter, Lara Overton, good friend of mine. She only started this job, what, a year ago, but I feel like, Lara, I've seen you so much between the two games every year, the combine, and then now, you know, we we chat all the time about uh, our offseason and how it's going. How's it going with you? Because I know in the midst of everything else, you are planning a wedding, so... Apologies, congratulations. And you know what? I wish we'd had another chance to see each other like in the playoffs. You know, that would have been fun to have had another scenario to catch up uh, uh, back in January. But yes, I started this job July 15th of 2019, hit the ground running. We were into training camp July 25th and July 25th. This year is my wedding. And training camp are, of course, our vets report on the 28th. So July is just a whirlwind. I mean, I'm just trying to handle it. I mean, if there was ever a point to be like one day at a time, this is it with the number of things just as unpredictable as they are right now with everything going on. You were all just learning to adapt whatever is going on in your life, whether you're in the NFL or you are, you know, in any sort of business or you're a parent, everyone's just constantly finding ways to pivot and adapt and function. So, you know, people have said, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you. And I'm like, you know what? Like we chose to plan a big wedding. We decided it's a party. We chose to throw a big party. So if we needed to move the date, we can move the date. If we needed to move the venue, but there are much greater things going on in the world when you think about people who 
are on the front lines and saving lives and this greater global pandemic and everything that you have going on in our society, it makes a wedding seem really small. So I think that's helped me manage a lot of the stress and the nerves thus far. So it is, it's exciting. The wedding's here in town. So that's made it a little bit easier too, as well, just being able to go pop over and have meetings here or there, especially with the fact we've now been working from home for about four months. So my schedule has been pretty flexible and allowing me to do some of those you know, wedding errand type of things that you have to do in those couple of months leading up to the actual event. You've got such a great attitude. Anytime I get stressed out about what's going to happen with the season, I just think, okay, but Lara is planning a wedding that's three days before the start of camp. So I just need to bring it down a notch. Let's talk about the off season because you mentioned it. We're all working from home. We're all covering these teams. I want to get your perspective on what it's been like covering this Colts team because obviously you had some big name signings this off season. You've got a new quarterback in Phillip Rivers. What's it been like from the Colts' perspective? What have been sort of the big storylines coming out from Frank Reich and from the players and, and everything that uh, you've covered so far in these past few months? There's a definite excitement. There's a palpable excitement around the potential that this team has given, of course, the move with Philip Rivers, but then also the addition of DeForest. Buckner. You have a couple of other key additions within free agency, then a very exciting draft in which your first two picks in that second round, your first two picks overall, go offense heavy with Michael Pittman Jr. and then also Jonathan Taylor. So you're really adding some dynamic facets into what is already a very exciting offense altogether, one that just was injury plagued last season. When you look at T.Y. Hilton, the almost the part that somewhat, I don't want to say dampens your excitement, but maybe just has you um, cautiously optimistic. I don't know if it's the right way to put it, but it's because we haven't seen these guys. We haven't been face to face with them. We haven't watched Philip Rivers throw a ball. We haven't seen DeForest Buckner go up against Quentin Nelson and Anthony Costanzo like you would have in those off-season training periods. So that is one thing that has you thinking, I'm so excited, but we truly don't exactly know what this is all going to look like, but just in the conversations that we are able to have, Philip Rivers has a genuine comfort within this offense already, given the familiarity and the relationships that he has within the Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni offense, the time that they spent together in San Diego with the Chargers. So there's a ton of carryover. And Philip admitted, there's a ton that I know but still more so than I have in the previous seasons I've really been immersed in the playbook watching him to get a better grasp of this because he has been so limited in any opportunities to get onto the field but you almost feel that there's a rejuvenated side to Philip Rivers right now just having a new change of scenery having um, a new uniform on for the first time in his NFL career I was talking with some people who covered his career with the Chargers and they said that you know toward the end once the team made the move from San Diego to LA that really started to take a toll of the on Philip because he was doing the commute for his family he of course has nine kids and they were all set in schools in the San Diego area so he was commuting up to LA and after a while, that just started to wear on him a little bit. Obviously, Philip is that fiery, feisty competitor that you know. So not necessarily did it hinder that. But after a while, it seemed like it was a good point where he was looking toward a fresh start, looking forward to a new chapter. He certainly knew that his NFL career was not over. He wanted to find that perfect fit. And it truly seems like he's found it here in Indianapolis. And in thinking of his perspective, 
we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and he had this phrase on his hat and he, the way he describes it is the way he phrases it is nuke chepi, which he says is actually kind of the Alabama way to say it because it's actually Latin and it means to begin again. And this is something that he has reiterated. It's kind of his family mantra that, you know, anytime anything goes wrong or doesn't go straight, doesn't go quite to plan, nuke chepi, here we go. You know, we start again. He said, same thing, you throw a pick, nuke chepi, let's go again. It's just right back. You find that new start. We begin again each and every time. And to, a couple weeks ago, I had a conversation uh, for a lot of our season ticket holders, season ticket members, and um, a lot of Colts fans with Philip and Coach Reich. And these guys have such a genuine respect for one another, this very well-established rapport. And then Philip is very comfortable with Nick as well. So for him, he said the thing he's most excited about is just getting in the facility, being a teammate again, because second to being, or I guess third to being a husband and a father, his favorite thing is to be a teammate. And it's been a while since he's been able to be in a facility and be with teammates considering free agency in the off season and then waiting to get into the facility here in Indianapolis. So he's excited for that part of it. We know that he's already here in Indianapolis. His family moved here uh, just north of Indy, and he's had the kids at the neighborhood pool. I had somebody tell me that he was, uh, you know, on the deeper end of the pool, just throwing footballs to all the kids, jumping off the diving boards. So he has really immersed himself in Indianapolis and excited to be here. That's, you know, storyline number one. Storyline number two is, of course, the addition of DeForest Buckner, the Colts traded that pick in the first round for DeForest to get, you know, an established force on that defensive line. And I can tell you, there are no people, well, I guess a few people excited, the most excited about it, Matt Eberflus, Justin Houston, Darius Leonard at the top of all of that list, because you just think about the impact that that can have on how freely guys like Justin, Justin Houston and Darius Leonard can play when you have a true game record there on that defensive line and he's excited to be here with Sheldon Day who he played with in San Francisco Sheldon an Indianapolis native so excited to be home we had a conversation with those two guys and they are an absolute right I'm just excited for the dynamic that they bring into the locker room as well you talk about real established leadership and all of those guys certainly bring that into what is already a well-formed well-formed base, a well-formed foundation from that offensive and defensive perspective. Now that you are going into another season under Frank Reich, he has his system installed. He has Matt Eberflus and Nick Sirianni. And those returning players are very familiar, very comfortable within those offensive and defensive schemes. Now you add some huge additions, some real game makers, game changers in terms of Philip and DeForest Buckner. All right. Well, the Texans added a few wide receivers, and we've heard the wide receivers talk about how important it is to build that chemistry with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson. Now, on the flip side, when you have a new quarterback, he's got to build chemistry with everybody. So has he talked about what some of those challenges might be? Obviously, he's been in the league for 17 years, so he's done this a time or two with different receivers. But how does Phillip plan to sort of build that chemistry? How do they do that when they're actually not in the facility? It's certainly a challenge, and that's something that they've all been very candid about. He obviously already has command of that quarterback room, given the fact he does have 17 seasons. Those players already respect him in terms of the rest of the offense. When you look at those receivers and his offensive line, everyone in that unit who he's working with, one of the things that he said is right when he got to Indy, he already 
reached out to guys who were in town like Paris Campbell and Jack Doyle to get some reps in with them. And he said that for the first time in a long time, he was actually nervous going out there. Like, okay, I better not let these guys down. Like, you know, I can't underthrow it. What are they going to think? Oh, great. We signed this guy and brought him in and he's underthrowing us on the first reps we take with him, you know, the first routes we run and he's, you know, over our head or, you know, chucked him 10 yards and we're nowhere in the vicinity. So it was very funny that he felt that comfortable even to admit that that takes a lot you know for a quarterback who's coming in and say like no I had some nerves I was not even so much questioning his own ability that's not it at all but just more so yeah finding that comfort level and wanting to immediately make that good impression on the guys that you're coming into the locker room that you're coming into but having the understanding of the offense and even in those zoom meetings he already established such a command of leading a lot of those discussions or whether it's reacting to watching something watching a play going through a play making a suggestion on how to do something differently and also even to that point when we talked with him he hadn't yet gotten together with ty hilton but they'd been exchanging text messages because Phillips' sons are playing football. They're at that age where they're starting to get into more organized football as our T.Y. son. So they've been trading videos of Phillips' son throwing passes and T.Y.'s son making catches. So there's this kind of, you know, football dad rapport that's been established between Philip and T.Y. Hilton. So that's got to speak for something. Of course, nothing replicates those reps that you're going to take. But just to have some sort of rapport, that relationship is going to make a huge difference. And when you talk about how many veterans there are, the returning guys that there are, that is going to make it, you know, so I don't want to say easier, but definitely more cohesive and make that transition period hopefully a little bit shorter in terms of getting over that hump and getting ready for week one. And where does that leave Jacoby Brissett? Obviously, we saw him win a number of games with Indianapolis, and we saw him win some games with the Patriots as well. But he had a, a good start to his career last year, obviously, dealt with the injuries. But where does that leave Jacoby now? How does he fit into the picture now that Philip Rivers is there? Frank Reich has reiterated over and over that Jacoby is very much still a part of the game plan. He's very much a part of this offense and of that quarterback room. And it's twofold with Jacoby. Of course, as a quarterback is one aspect, but then also he is truly one of the most respected voices in that locker room. All of those teammates have great respect of him as a leader on and off the field. He's been incredibly vocal recently in, in speaking out and using his platform to discuss, you know, racial injustice and, you know, social issues with the Black Lives Matter movement. And Jacoby has a very powerful presence within this Indianapolis Colts franchise. And then as a quarterback, Frank Reich has said, we're still going to incorporate Jacoby into some plays here. There are going to be some scenarios. Don't be shocked. And we know that Frank Reich always has a couple of tricks up that sleeves that he, that he likes to pull out on game day. So don't be surprised when you do see maybe some intermixing perhaps of Philip and Jacoby. The, the other thing to keep in mind with the Colts quarterback situation is that Phillip's only on a one-year deal at this point. There are no guarantees past the 2020 season. So is Jacoby Brissett. His contract is set to expire at the end of 2020. So after this season, going into 21, that starting QB job could very well be up for grabs. We know that Phillip Rivers has already committed to coaching once his NFL career is done. He's going to coach at a high school in Alabama. So he may play this season, accomplish what he wants, and decide to call it quits. And that could leave Jacoby up for consideration. We don't know how this is going to play out. 
But what we do know, nothing is definitive yet after the end of this season. And Jacoby is in such a prime position. When you think about the quarterbacks that Jacoby Brissett has learned under so far, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, now Phillip Rivers, and then you have Frank Reich as your coach. So if you're a guy who's going from a backup role, looking to take command of a starting role, what better mentors could you possibly have? So I do think that Jacoby will have an opportunity at the end of this season to you know, pitch himself, to campaign, to position himself as best he wants to take over that starting job at the end of that season, especially if Phillip decides not to remain with the team, to not play in the NFL after the 2020 season. So nothing is a long-term, nothing is set in stone here. This is very much kind of a one-year offensive experiment that the Colts are hoping to make the best of. All right, we saw a lot of Marlon Mack last year. He was the Mack truck, hard to bring down. He was also dealing with his share of injuries, but then the Colts go out and they draft uh, a new running back in Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. Everyone saw his highlight reel. It was quite eye-popping and impressive. So what happens to the run game? Is it, is it Marlon's job? Is it is it Jonathan's job? Are the two going to battle it out? How does the run game look for the Colts in 2020? My thing with Jonathan Taylor is you look at the durability, the resilience, the endurance of that guy just to carry the bulk of those yards, as many yards as he did at the University of Wisconsin. And Coach Wright described it as a 1-1 punch. He doesn't see this as a you know, one guy is the one, one guy is the two. He considers them both to be number ones. Nick Sirianni described it as the old thunder and lightning when you think about the USC days, you know, of uh, Reggie Bush and Lindell White. So he sees those guys as being a very much a, a complement to one another. I believe that the way this offseason has gone so far, that starting role very much still belongs to Marlon Mack because we haven't seen Jonathan Taylor in this offense. He hasn't worked with Phillip Rivers. He hasn't worked with this offensive line yet. So if things continue on the track that we believe that they are with a perhaps shortened preseason, maybe even a delay to the start of the season, depending on what happens over the next few months, next few weeks, over the next month, Jonathan Taylor will be integrated into this offense, but I don't just think they're going to throw him in their baptism by fire and say, go and run with it. I think this will be very, it will be very, um, very charted, very strategic, very deliberate in how they incorporate Jonathan into that run game. There's plenty of work to be shared among those two guys because Coach Reich has said he really thinks that Philip will be best in a situation where he isn't forced to throw it 30 to 40 times a game. He's going to have those options. He wants this offense to be very multiple and very dynamic. So I think that there will be a great complement between those two. I do think that Marlon Mack continues to be your bell cow to start the season in this offense. And just to speak to the character of Marlon Mack and who he is as a teammate, the night that the Colts drafted Jonathan Taylor, Coach Wright texted Marlon and said, hey, I want you to know we're, you know, we're, we're all working together here. I want to bring out the best in both of you that we're all better when we have, you know, the best parts around us. I'm totally, um, I'm just recapping slightly. Paraphrasing, this isn't yes. For, <laughs> paraphrasing, yes. But, and Marlon was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go get it. He was so excited. He's excited by what Jonathan Taylor brings in. And the Colts necessarily were they, were, they weren't necessarily expecting Jonathan Taylor to be there at that spot. So when he was, they couldn't, they, they stepped, they moved up to get him in that spot where they were able to get him in the second round. They were 
thrilled to get him at that position. Chris Ballard, the general manager of the Colts, is a Wisconsin guy himself. So to get another Badger in the building, he's elated about that. So for the Colts, they felt like that it was an opportunity they could not pass up to get Jonathan Taylor in that position, use him as a compliment to Marlon Mack, and really have this dynamic rushing attack. Because, hey, Quentin Nelson, run the damn ball. He wore the hat all last season. We know how invested the Colts are in the run game. Marlon Mack rushed for over 1,000 yards last season. And if he could do that again, if he could go back-to-back, He'd be the first Colts rusher to do so since Joseph Adai, and I believe that was back 06, 07. So it's been a long time since the Colts have seen a rushing attack like this, and I think it's very much Marlon Mack there and then Jonathan Taylor just behind him. Well, the Colts have been adding to their defense steadily over the past few years, and I think the DeForest Buckner trade, like you mentioned earlier, was a big blockbuster to really kick off uh, free agency. Where does Frank Reich see DeForest Buckner fitting into this defense? How do you think he'll be used? Obviously, Uh, There's a lot he can do out there when he's on the field. One of the things that both Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have reiterated over the course of the past two years is that, you know, it starts up front. They really wanted to establish that offensive and defensive line. And we know that they did it with the offensive line, right? We had a a unit there. Those five guys started all 16 games together last season. You had a little bit more movement over there on the defensive line, and now you're starting to see that become more established. And Chris said in his end of the season press conference back in January that you really have to establish a strong three technique. He, this thing runs through the three tech is what he has said of this defense. So you knew that there was going to be a priority on that position, whether it be in the draft or in free agency. They were very candid about this. So this is exactly that force that they felt like that they were missing, that true kind of game wrecker. I mean, he's, he's huge. He's quick. He is just – he changes how an offense – operates in having him in there and you saw it in the Super Bowl you saw the play he made on Patrick Mahomes when a guy is able to make a play like that on one of the most dynamic athletes that you have in the NFL one of the most elusive quarterbacks I know you know elusive quarterbacks really well down there in Houston but he's making those type of plays on Patrick Mahomes you can only imagine what he does around that other established defense that he has. When you have guys like Justin Houston, Danico Autry, you're going to have Kamoko Ture coming back off of injury. There are a lot of guys in there in this very established dynamic defense, really powerful defense. And that is one thing that Matt Eberflus has reiterated over the course of this offseason is he wants this defense to play fast and disciplined. And that is certainly, those are certainly words that would be fitting of DeForest Buckner. And he is, he's excited to be in this defense. I know that he's had some time to, you know, banter back and forth with the other guys within this defense. And he fits so well in terms of being a a huge presence from a leadership perspective on and off the field, the way that he compliments guys like Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore, Anthony Walker, all of these guys on that defense, it's huge in terms of the impact that he will have for for this defense and a piece that you truly missed last season because you would see the Colts defense go on streaks of a couple of games with consecutive sacks, and then they would they would have several without. So in terms of establishing a very consistent, effective presence. That's another thing that's really impressive about DeForest Buckner is just the amount of time he's been on the field. Hasn't hasn't much battled with injuries. He's always available, and that's the type of guy you want to be able to rely on. All right, I haven't talked to you since the NFL draft, and the Colts obviously had nine draft picks. Heading into the draft, what do you think their biggest needs were, and how do you think they did overall with the selections they made? 
Well, wide receiver was certainly one of them. And when you look at the fact that they were trying to surround Philip Rivers and provide him with more weapons, and it was such a receiver-heavy draft that you knew that there were going to be some options there at wide receiver. The move for Michael Pittman Jr., I absolutely love. The draft of Michael Pittman Jr., he's something that this offense didn't necessarily have. He's that bigger body. He's about 6'5". He has tons of range. He has that length. And, you know, when you talk about you have smaller receivers, uh, smaller, you know, very quick, fast, reliable receivers when you think about T.Y. Hilton, Zach Paschal, Paris Campbell. But he adds another layer. There's a different dynamic that you have. He's a different style of weapon that you bring into this offense and a great target for Philip Rivers. One thing that Philip said is that he actually played against Michael Pittman's dad. Michael Pittman's dad was in Denver, and when Philip was with the Chargers, they played head-to-head. His dad won a Super Bowl during his NFL career, so he has the bloodlines to be a top-tier NFL talent, and the Colts saw that. They identified it. He was one of those guys who was on their board the entire time. The scouts identified him early on, and Frank Reich loved him, loves him, loves what he brings, and One of the things that furthers my confidence in the pick of Michael Pittman Jr. is that in the time that they've been limited on workouts this offseason, he's in Southern California. So he went ahead and got together with Jacob Eason and and also Desmond Patman, another Colts draft pick. And those guys have been working out together and who who was mentoring Michael Pittman Jr. leading up to the draft is TJ Hushmanzada. So he he surrounds himself with the right people. He is a total student of the game. He's a football junkie, loves to play, loves game action. And so those were all things that just reiterated that the type of character, the type of player that the Colts are bringing into this locker room. And then you have this, you know, incredible one-two punch when you get Jonathan Taylor in there as well. I mean, how could you not go after that guy with just how reliable, how consistent, how effective he was in the Big Ten last uh, the, over the past three seasons. So he's going to be an incredible fit within this offense as well, playing behind the offensive line he has. And it's it's incredible. I think the nine picks, you have a lot of guys who are going to be in a strong position to potentially make this roster. It's going to be interesting in the roster sizes and how all of this you know shapes out. But so excited for the guys that they have that they've brought in and for what this is going to look like here going into 2020. I mean, we could go through the entire draft class, but it's it's going to be a very exciting class of rookies. The one thing is I feel bad for these rookies. They've been robbed of so much time just to get in the building and start to feel established and build that rapport with their teammates. So it's, it's going to be interesting when they are all able to get in the building. The rookies are scheduled to be back here in the next few weeks, a little bit before the vets. So they will certainly make the most of that time together once they get into the building. Yeah, you bring up a good point with the rookies. It's just such an unusual situation. I mean, I could compare it to the lockout, but it's not even like the lockout because they can't really work together on the fields with their quarterbacks and with their teammates. With that being said, Bill O'Brien said this might be the year of the veteran and not so much for the rookies because you can rely on your previous experience being out on the field and you already know the, the speed of the NFL. But with that being said, who do you think out of the rookies could make the biggest impact for the Colts in 2020? Wow. There are, there are quite a few that really could 
make an immediate contribution. And we've seen it. The Colts play their rookies a lot. They bring them in. I mean, we look at the year that it was Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard. You know, last season, you had a number of different rookies who were playing significant minutes. When you look at guys like, you know, Kari Willis in particular and Bobby Okariki on the defense. So the Colts get a lot of work out of their rookies. Right now, I think that Michael Pittman Jr. would be my pick in terms of making the biggest immediate impact just because he is a different factor within this offense. At the end of last season, the Colts wide receiver core was absolutely decimated by injury. T.Y. missed more games than he ever has in his entire career. The injury bug hit hard. You, I mean, it was from the beginning of the season, Devin Funches, week one, goes down with a broken shoulder, a guy who the Colts really had high hopes on. You had Reese Fountain in camp who had that broken ankle. Paris Campbell battling just the litany of things that he did from a hamstring to a broken hand to a broken foot, just fluke things. So looking at that and the potential for this offense, and when you have a reliable veteran quarterback, Philip Rivers needs people to throw to. He needs targets. And sure, he's going to have your T.Y. Hiltons of the group and the Zach Pascals and some of these established guys, a Jack Doyle, of course, as well. But I do think that Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be someone who's come, who will come in and be called upon immediately to be someone who is in those game-changing type of, of situations. So heading into camp, what are some of the big headlines for the Colts? What are some of the position battles that you all will be watching up there in Indianapolis? There, there are a lot of them. I think one of the headlines, first and foremost, is, you know, we get Anthony Costanzo back on that offensive line. So that was one thing that Colts fans have been cheering about is, hey, we've got this starting offensive line. That starting unit remains together going into 2020. So that secures a lot of questions because that was a huge factor in Philip Rivers coming to Indy was making sure that he was going to be able to play behind those pro bowlers that you have, the two-time All-Pro in Quentin Nelson. So those things are solidified, you know, and looking forward to seeing that unit operate again now with a new quarterback behind them because they had Andrew Luck, they had Jacoby Brissett, and now you and then you know for a brief period you had Brian Hoyer last season while Jacoby was injured. So now it's Philip Rivers. So the offensive line adapting to and embracing Philip Rivers. That'll be something that's quick work right there, absolutely, for those guys to get on the same page. In terms of position battles, the safety position, that DB room is incredibly competitive right now because you have some guys who have come in in free agency. You have Julian Blackman, who was the Colts draft pick in the third round. He's coming off of injury. He tore that ACL there at the end of his senior season. So he's coming back. It'll be interesting to see where he is once he's in the facility, able to utilize those resources as well. There's seriously going to be some competition there at the safety position with the guys that, that you have as well. That linebacker room is deep when you talk about Anthony Walker, Darius Leonard, you have Bobby Okariki, you have Zaire Franklin, you have, I mean, Matt Adams, you have an incredibly deep linebacker room there as well. So I think that those are going to be some of the most competitive units in terms of your DBs and your linebackers there in camp for sure. And that's going to breed some great stuff because one of the things we've learned about this Colts defense is that they thrive in the competitive environment. When they are pushing each other, things get really, really fun. You have Xavier Rhodes, who's entering that uh, defensive backfield uh, in free agency and reuniting with Alan Williams and Joseph uh, Jonathan Gannon, who he spent time with there in Minnesota. So he comes in, again, a place that he's not necessarily been prior, not that he's played prior, but he has familiarity, he has a rapport with the coaches in that defensive backs room. So I'm first and foremost, I want to see Philip 
Rivers get in, get to work with that offensive line and just see what that dynamic looks like in terms of the communication between Philip and Ryan Kelly and all of that. And just the influence that it's going to have on him when you have all of that shored up, you have the reliability of those five guys right in front of you looking at AC and you're looking at Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith and all of those guys who are up front. Uh, you know, going to give you opportunities to capitalize on this offense and the system that you're in now with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni once again. It should be some fun battles this year between these two teams, and hopefully these players get out on the field soon and, and things can get moving and these players can, we can see what, they, what they're like out on the field. Lara, I appreciate the time so much. Best of luck with the wedding planning, and uh, I know you're not taking a honeymoon right after, right? It'll be after the season. We're going to wait a while. You know, travel anywhere is a little bit iffy right now. So we're going to put it on the back burner and, and celebrate sometime in, in like late February, you know, planning on the season's going to go nice and long into the playoffs. So going to take some time off, you know, mid to late February and capitalize on it then. All right, Lara, I, best of luck. And I'll talk to you soon this season. Thanks again for the time. Lara Overton, she covers the Colts, Colts website, Colts TV, Colts radio, podcasts, everything. Check her out. Her stuff is amazing, as you can all tell, Lara. Thanks so much. Thank you. Good stuff, as always, from Lara. And I'll be talking to her twice throughout the season when the Colts and the Texans play each other again. And we've got one team left. It's the Tennessee Titans, so you're not going to want to miss that. We're going to talk about uh, the Titans because we all saw what they did last year in the playoffs. Will they be able to sustain that in 2020? Will they get to the next step? Will they make it to a Super Bowl? Well, everyone in Houston certainly hopes not because uh, we want the Texans to be playing in Tampa Bay this February. So with that, uh, we continue our analysis of the AFC South teams heading into next week. And for the rest of you out there, thank you as always for listening. Stay safe and go Texans.